Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the To The Point podcast. Um, before we get before wildcard uh, weekend, this uh, today and tomorrow in the NFL, I'm jumping on this morning to talk about some more hockey. Um, I'm going to be talking about the Central Division today. Um, on Thursday, I talked about the North Division, which is also the Canadian Division. Um, I talked about you know the major teams there, um, what to look out for, things of that nature. Um, so today, the Central Division, the rest of the the teams like like the Eastern Division, you have teams from the East and West, you know, intermingling, and basically these teams are based and put in divisions based on their geographic location. Um, some of them are a little bit farther away than the others, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But the NHL had to move on the fly, um, and you'll see today the Central Division is not one of the stronger divisions in the NHL. Um, it's it might be the weakest. I'll review that when I'm done. I'm still, I make notes on everything and I, so I can provide you guys with the best information. And, um, but going through this one, there's a lot of holes in this, in this, um, in the central division, definitely weaker than the, uh, the North division than the Canadian division. But when it's all said and done, maybe when I do my first, um, podcast of kind of games and talking about them, I'll, I'll talk about that in broad strokes, but, um, so starting with the central division, I'm going to start you know, last time I kind of mentioned the, I went through every team and mentioned the playoff teams. Um, today I'm going to go from eight to one and how I see them, um, finishing. I just think that it'll make it easier for everybody to understand. And then I can review it at the end and go through the teams and how I see them slotting. So in the eight spot, I have the Detroit Red Wings, uh, the Detroit Red Wings finished last in the NHL last season, and I don't expect them to move up any higher this year. Um, they're just a team in transition. You know, Detroit was a, a, a powerhouse. You know, they were the, the gold standard of the NHL for a very long time, uh, making the playoffs for 22 consecutive years. Um, just having stable goaltending, stable management. Um, you know, in recent years, Ken Holland departed from Detroit to go to Edmonton because I think he saw the writing on the wall. They've had Jet Blaschel. He's entering his fifth year as the head coach. But they're... They just, you know, they had, they had Zetterberg, Datsuk, you know, the mule, uh, Holmstrom, you know, obviously Nick Lidstrom, um, who I think is the best defenseman of all time, but that's another podcast uh, there for a long time, you know, Stevie Y. Uh, but, you know, speaking of Stevie Y, he's now back as a, the full-time general manager. Um, he's made some moves here. Um, they got some tough luck. Obviously, this Detroit and a lot of I'll mention the teams in here that haven't played since last March. Detroit's one of them. They they haven't played since March, and they were hoping that they were going to win the draft lottery. You know, they had the best the best odds going in. Ultimately, it did not happen for them. They got the fourth spot, the fourth pick. They picked Lucas Raymond, who recently played for um, Team Sweden at the World Junior Hockey Championships, but. The team is just in a state of transition. They do have some good hockey players. Um, Anthony Mantha, who they locked up long-term last year. He's a solid player, a former uh, Valdor Fleur. Um, Dylan Larkin, he's a fast, fast player, a solid centerman. But he's not a number one. He can't be your number one center. He can't be your number one player on your team. And he is in Detroit. And maybe it's unfair to him because it's, you know, he's put in that position. We see that with a lot of teams where they force players to play out of their comfort zone or out of their, you know, their skill level. 
And I think Larkin has had some of those problems in his career. Um, in the offseason, they got rid of a longtime, you know, alternate captain, Justin Ablocator. He was on a long-term deal making uh, over $6 million a year, so they bought him out his last two years of his contract. But it, they they basically, what they did is they, they were a team that took on bad contracts. So New York Rangers had Mark Stahl. They wanted to get rid of him off their books. So um, they took him. You know, they had Mark Stahl on for a season. He's a good veteran. He can help some of the younger younger defensemen there kind of learn and grow. And um, you know he's going to be a good teammate. Um, they added uh, Vladimir Nemestikov, which actually is a move I don't I don't hate. I think it you need to at least show up some nights and be competitive. There's a lot of times last year where Detroit, um, you know, they didn't look like they deserved to be an NHL team, to be perfectly honest. And I don't think that'll happen this year. Um, like I said, I still think they'll finish last, but it's a 56 game season. I think they'll, they'll play hard. You know, they got some veterans. They had a choice Stetcher as well um, from the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Thomas Grice, who's played uh, the last three years in Long Island. He's a solid goaltender to, to tandem with uh, Jonathan Bernier. So they have a veteran team and really what they can hope for this year is that they can, start to develop their younger prospects, um, namely Philip Zadina, the former uh, Halifax Moosehead. He has had no success in the NHL so far. He's played a lot in the AHL, but he's had no success. You know, he's played, basically played all his time in Grand Rapids and he's had limited success there. They need him to hit because they do not have a, a lot of great prospects in their system right now. Um, Marit Sider, who is still playing in the German league. He's 19. Um, he should come over eventually, but with these euros, you, you never really know. He's, um, he's a great, I, I love him as a player. I think they got a, I think they got a stud with him. I think that, that was um, Eisenman's first draft pick. And it, it, to me, it's a winner. He didn't play this year in the world juniors because he's playing in the German league, having a fantastic season. So, you know, he's playing against men right now. He's, getting valuable experience there. And honestly, it might be better for him to be playing over there because I mentioned Detroit's not going to be a good team. And we've seen it kill younger, younger players' confidence before they even get their feet wet in the NHL. If he comes over where at least they're competent and you can start seeing you know, the other side of the mountain, so to speak, then I think it could be better long-term for his career. So Zadina... You know, Joe Hicketts, he's a player that's kind of bounced around. He played for Canada at the World Juniors a few years back. You know, they need to let these players play, give them a, give them opportunities because, you know, the Manthas will be there. They still have Larkin, like I mentioned, but you have veterans that are very replaceable. Stetcher's on a one-year deal. Mark Stahl's on the last year of his deal. These players are going to be in and out, and you want players that are going to be here for the long term. Um, you know, Jonathan Bernays on the last year of his deal. So they need to develop these prospects, but I don't see them finishing, you know, I don't see them finishing higher than eighth, which is the last in the, in the division. So Detroit last place, seventh place, just ahead of Detroit. I have the Chicago Blackhawks. Now the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2010s, they were the, they were the team of, uh, of the decade, three Stanley cups, 
made it to a, another conference final in 2014 in one of the best playoff series I've ever watched against the LA Kings. Just a fantastic battle of uh, just two teams that really dominated the decade. But Chicago, um, they're getting older. You know, Brent Seabrook, it, I don't think he, he may never play again. He's got some back issues and a lot of, a lot of stuff. I could see him being a guy that goes on long-term injury reserve and we never see him take the ice again. I think that's probably likely at this point. Duncan Keith's 38. I think he's still a very good hockey player. He's still a good skater, does a lot of things well, but they don't have a lot to compliment him with. Uh, just, you know, Ali Mata's there. They, they don't have a lot of players that really jump off the page at you and say, well, this guy is going to do this for our team. They, they're just missing missing key pieces. Um, they still have Patrick Kane, and Patrick Kane is still, you know, a top 10 player for me. Um, he's so dynamic with the puck. He's got an underrated shot. I mean, I mean, I don't need to prop up Patrick Kane. I mean, he's he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's a three-time Stanley Cup champion. He's won a Consumite Trophy, you know, a Hart Trophy, you know, on and on. He's a he's just a stud. And you know, with Patrick Kane, and this is the thing for Stan Bowman, the Chicago Blackhawks. They announced after last season they were going to be going into a rebuild, kind of like the Rangers did a few years back, where they sent a letter to the fans and said, "This is what we're going to be doing." Well, I find it very hard that very hard to believe that it's going to happen with the likes of Patrick Kane and Duncan Keyes still on the roster. These two guys are competitors. And even with the roster that they've kind of, they have right now, they're going to play hard. And if you're not getting, you know, a top three, four pick, then are you really rebuilding? You know, picking ninth to 12th every year is not rebuilding. You're just, you're mid-pack and you're, you're stuck in the mud, so to speak. So Chicago's kind of in a transition here where they may decide to trade Patrick Kane. He's got a his contract right now in NHL standards is not that bad for the production he gives you. He makes ten and a half million. Like he's got five or six years left on it, but he's still playing at the top of his game. He's uh he's a fantastic player. And they could that could be a move this year where we see a a big deadline move. It'll be tough for teams just with the, the flat sour cap being at 81 and a half million, but it's something to look out for because Chicago wants to lose games. They want to get pick higher in the draft and start the process over of getting the likes of Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, you know, the keys sharps, what have you. And for that to happen, they really need to lose more games. And with Kane around, I just don't see them doing it. Um, one thing that'll be tougher for, for Kane this year to help this Chicago team is coming into the season starts Wednesday. They're missing their top three centers. Uh, I'll start with Kirby doc. We saw him at the world junior pre-tournament game, broke his wrist. He's up four to five months. He'll miss the entire regular season announced during the world junior championship. Alex Nylander has a knee injury. He's out seven to nine months. So he's out the entire regular season as well. So there's two centers for them. And then finally, the most important piece to this puzzle is Captain Sirius, Jonathan Taves. Um, he came out with a statement and said he's been dealing with this with illness where he's fatigued. He doesn't have a lot of energy and doctors are still trying to figure out what's wrong with him. And I know 
if you watched hockey, you know Jonathan Taves. If he's not playing, it's because it's serious. You know, we've seen, you know, Marion Hosa deciding to retire and collect a check because he's got some kind of skin condition is not the same thing as John, Jonathan Taves. He's my second favorite player that I've ever watched. I, I have the utmost respect for him. I, again, he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion. He, for a period of time, I believe he was the best hockey player in the world, and that includes Sidney Crosby. Um, and you know, he just he breathes hockey, breathes the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, that crest with the C on it. When you think of it, you just think of Jonathan Taves. And um, with losing their top three centers, it's going to be really difficult. They're going to have to plug and play some players here put players in positions maybe they're not prepared for. And they're just not going to have the talent to compete with the top of the division. Um, you know, Corey Crawford left as well. They decided to part ways with him, which did, did not sit well with the likes of Patrick Kane and Taze at the time. Um, they have, you know, Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban in net. That's a major question mark for them. I get it. They're trying to lose games. So Stan Bowman, you're doing your job well in doing that because those two goalies have limited experience at the NHL level and the experience they do have is getting shelled. So, um, you know, they've added veterans, Nikita Zadorov. You remember him playing for Colorado. I like him a lot. So Carl Soderberg, but it's just, it's a, it's a tough, tough year for Chicago. They're not going to be as bad as Detroit. I don't think, but they're not going to be a very successful team just with all their losses here. And where their franchise wants to go. They need, they need to finish low in the standings so that they can improve the roster long-term. And, you know, another player to look at, I'm going to mention a couple of players to look out for. I mentioned Zadina needs to development. Well, for Chicago, you know, Seabrook being out, having some opportunities on the back end, watch out this year for 20 year old defenseman, Adam Boquist, sorry, Adam Boquist. He he played for Sweden at the World Juniors. He was too old this year. He's 20 years old. He's a player. He's a really good player. Um, I think he's the future of their blue line. He's um, he's offensive, but he can, he's a great skater. He just sees the ice really well. I could see him manning their power play uh, in the future. He's uh, he's just a he's just a player. You know, he's a really good player, and um, I think he could be a key part of their future. So for them, get him some experience, put him in opportunities to succeed and maybe put him on a top line some night or put him against top players and see how he handles it. When you're these bad teams, I don't know why they don't do it more often. You know, I mentioned sometimes players aren't ready, but if you do it one night and you get shelled, well, don't do it the next night, maybe. You know, then you can pivot back to your original plan. But if you're going to lose anyway, give your asset a chance to kind of show you what, what you have right now and what he needs to improve on. And for Chicago, I think this is the perfect year for that. Um, give Boquist every opportunity and give the, you know, the the Matthew Highmores, you know, these players that have maybe played fourth line roles in past years, the opportunity to, to come in and succeed. So Chicago seventh. Yeah. Uh, I wish all the best to Jonathan Taves. Like I said, he's my second favorite player of all time. Um, and he's, He's just, he's a thrill to watch. And I, I just, uh, I hope he's all right. I hope we see him on the ice, you know, this year and hopefully sooner rather than later. Sixth spot, this team is, is similar to Chicago and Detroit. You know, they're low for a reason. And I put the Nashville Predators. 
Um, Nashville, you know, they had a window there. 2015, really 2018, they were right in the hunt for the Stanley Cup. Uh, they made it to the Cup Final in 2017, losing to Pittsburgh in six games. But the roster's getting old. And, um, you know, they've had some, they had some really great players. They had Seth Jones in Nashville, and they traded him for Ryan Johansson. And at the time, at the time, I'll be honest, I thought it was a decent hockey trade for both teams because Seth Jones really hadn't emerged as the, you know, the player that he is now. But Johansson, since coming to Nashville, has been a tire fire, let's be honest. If you watch him, I watch him, and it doesn't even seem like he cares on the ice. He's, he's lazy. He's a big center. You think he'd be able to go into corners, win battles. He's lazy. He gets outworked by smaller players, which is a the biggest indictment on him as a player. Just his work ethic, I think, is the biggest question mark on him. And he he just he lacks offensive creativity, and I think his confidence is shot. You know, he's gone through years and years of coaches telling him that he needs to improve his game, and uh, you know, Peter Laviolette, who's not an easy coach, having him as a veteran coach in Nashville for a long time. He never got better. Um, and maybe that's part of Laviolette because Kyle Turris really didn't uh, do much there either. But Johansson was playing top line minutes night after night and he didn't produce. He's He's been stuck in the mud there for a long time. Uh, believe me, they'd love to get rid of him. But nobody's taken, he's making, he's making so much. He's making 8 million a year. Nobody's taken that money because it's, 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 it's empty calories, you know, it's, yeah, it's eating a, a deep, deep dish pizza at 7am. It's, it, you don't want it. So he's, he's there. I mean, hopefully he can turn his game around, but just the way he's played in Nashville and since leaving Columbus, that's been a nightmare for him. And obviously the player he was traded for has turned into a superstar. So that always hurts the team when that happens too. But you know, that Pecorino is 39 years old now. He's really become the backup goalie. But the starter that they kind of hope is their future um, in UC Saros, he hasn't shown that he can be consistent enough. He's small. He's five foot ten in the net. And I'm not saying you can't be small and be a good goaltender because you can. But he's got some footwork issues. He's, you know, again, when you're that small, you're going to go over the goalie. And we see goalies now, their average height now is six, two and a half for a goaltender in the NHL, which is such a drastic shift. But I think it's, it'll be six, four, six, five in the next 10 years. Cause all these goalies that are coming out are big. You know, they take up half the net. They're, they're hard to score on. It really started with Ben Bishop, you know, him being six foot eight, you know, taking over that net and being that dominant presence in there. It's, it's shifted and smaller goaltenders are less and less, uh, available and less and less, less and less successful. So they have two goalies. I don't really trust. They got Matt Duchesne rocking as their center behind Johansson. I mentioned disaster. Johansson has been you know, signing Duchesne didn't make a lot of sense to me because this is be a second year. His first year wasn't good. Um, but it was an older team. You had an older player signing to big ticket and, it's just another tough contract to get rid of off your books. And, you know, Yossi, 
Yeah, he's a great player. He won the, the Norris Trophy last year. But, you know, he's not getting any younger. Yossi's 30. Ryan Ellis is 30. Matias Ekholm's 30. Those are their top three defensemen. You know, if you look years past, they had Suter, Weber, Jones, P.K. Subban when he was playing good hockey. You know, Ellis, Yossi, they had an abundance of defensemen. But really, it started to dry up on them because they have to pay them. They, some of them had to go, so they traded Shea Weber. And it's it's getting tough for them because I, I still love Yossi and Ellis. I think those two are are phenomenal. I you know Just watching Ryan Ellis at the World Juniors, you know, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for him just because I think he's, he's a warrior and he just exudes what Canada is when it comes to work ethic and playing the game the right way. But it's going to be very difficult for them to win this year. Um, the, I think they'll do slightly better than Chicago, but not much. They're, they're another team that's in transition. You know, they got David Poyle, who's been with the team for so long, close to 30 years. And he's he wants to win a Stanley Cup so bad. But with little assets and with the team that they have, you know, he may have to go out of this great story career where you know he'll be in the Hall of Fame regardless without a Stanley Cup. Um, they got John Hines, the former New Jersey head coach, behind the bench now after firing, uh, firing Laviolette. But it, it's just it's it's tough right now uh, for Nashville. They're they're in a state of transition, and it'll be interesting to see what they can do. I don't see them being able to move the Johansson deal again. So it could be a few years of this. You know, Chicago has been in the same position for about two, three years. I, I don't see Nashville being that far off. Rene will come off the books this year. They do have Yaroslav Askarov, who um, played for the Russians at the World Juniors. They have him as a prospect. But again, it's a goaltender. He's 18 years old. He's not going to be playing for them anytime soon, um, especially being under contract with SKA St. Petersburg. So, um, now again, Nashville, not a lot of high end prospects here. Dante Fabro is a player that needs to take a step for them, but it's going to be difficult. Um, so those are the three in the basement, the top four teams make the playoffs. So eight, seven, six, this fifth team is just going to miss. I guess this team, we get, we're getting to better teams, but the fifth spot for me are the Florida Panthers, Florida right before the pandemic last year, they were neck and neck with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Atlantic division. So your Leafs, fan, Leafs fans would say that Toronto would have made the playoffs if, you know, if there wasn't COVID. That's fine. I'm sure Florida would say the same thing. But, you know, we, you know, the pandemic hit different people in different ways. And Florida is a team that doesn't make a lot of money with no fans, no revenue for a long period of time. It really hurt them. You know, they had to let Mike Hoffman and Evgeny Dadnoff walk in free agency. Hoffman's a, he's a 30 goal scorer year over year. Doesn't matter the year he's going to score you 30 goals. You know, obviously this year is 56 prorated. He's going to score you 30 goals a year. He's consistent. He's got one of the best shots in the NHL. He's a good player. You know, Dadnoff, they signed, he was an older guy playing in Russia and he was one of the guys that was a success story. He's come over and been a 65 to 75 point player um, year over year, 25, 20 to 25 goals. And he's just a solid winger. You know, he, he produces on the power play. 
he's been a really good player for Florida and just a consistent guy for them where they know what they're going to get and how he's going to play night after night. Um, but they lost both of them. So that, that hurts. Um, they did make some moves in the offseason. They traded Michael Matheson, who's on a bad contract, um, to Pittsburgh for Patrick Hornquist, who's on a bad contract. So they haven't really upgraded that situation. You know, the two guys on bad deals here. But, yeah, they did that. They, they added some veterans. They signed Anthony Duclair from Ottawa, who had a great first half of last year, you know, scoring 20 goals before the All-Star break and then, you know, sh- uh, shutting it down really after that only had four goals in the last 36 games, but you know, he's, he's a talented player. Hope they're probably hoping he can be the dad off this year for them. Maybe if he can play with Alexander Barkoff, find some chemistry there and he can have another big season. Um, they signed Radko Gudis, who's, you know, a veteran fifth, sixth defenseman. He's got a bite to his game. He plays with an edge. So I, I like him a lot as a player. So that's a good signing for them. Good. And Florida's biggest issue is their defensive play. I mean, a lot of teams can say that, but they were one of the worst defensive teams in hockey last year. You know, then again, them and Toronto were fighting for position. They were both in the bottom four in the NHL and defending. Um, and their defensemen were bad. You know, Keith Yandel is an offensive player. He's not a great defenseman when it comes to defending and he reminds me of Eric Carlson that way just they both really aren't good at it um Madison who they traded was another big liability for them he's a, a guy who took a lot of penalties who was made poor decisions with the puck so they moved on from him um you know they still have Aaron Eckblad who hasn't he's former first overall pick has not turned into the player that they'd hoped he's still a serviceable player but again not this team, like a lot of teams, if you look at, a, at the teams in general, teams that struggle, if you want to know why they're struggling, look at their defensive core. If you don't have a number one defenseman, it's very hard to win. It's very hard. You know, Pittsburgh's a rarity when they won in 2017. Crystal Tang was out the whole year. But I'd argue that Brian, I think Brian Dumlin's the best defenseman on the Pittsburgh Penguins roster, even now with Crystal Tang healthy, including that year. But if you don't have a number one defenseman, it's very, very difficult to win. We saw what Victor Hedman meant to Tampa last year. And, you know, they had Sergachev too, who I think is the number one defenseman. So it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, for Florida, they need to play better defensively if they're going to make the playoffs because they're right there. I'm going to mention the teams above them, but it's not a huge gap. Um, and really, they can make the playoffs if they defend well. And Sergei Bobrovsky goalie Bob, you know, turns back into the two-time Vesna trophy winner. Last year, he was a mess. His first year in Florida, signed seven years, 70 millions, you know, making a lot of money, but he couldn't stop a beach ball. He, you know, goalie apologists couldn't even apologize for how bad he was last year. You know, 323 goals against average, uh, just a, a 900 save percentage. That's just not good enough. You're making that amount of money. You're paid to be the best player on the team. A lot of times goalies don't get that kind of money. And, you know, Barbowski playing like that does not help his, um, his peers get, get that money in the future. You know, they, they got, they got goalie Bob signed for another six years. 
And they have Spencer Knight waiting in the wings. I'm sure he wasn't thrilled to see that contract. And I get it. He's still playing, um, you know, college athletics. And he could, he may not turn into a great goalie. He's a first round pick, but he's still a first round pick. You're going to give the kid every opportunity to succeed. They also got Devin Levi there who played great at the World Juniors. And the World Juniors does not tie you to success. I mean, just ask Justin Pogge. But Spencer Knight has looked the part in every term he's played in. So Florida's kind of in, they're in this transition where they're a team that is going to be hurting for a couple of years because this pandemic has hit these small market teams harder than, you know, the Toronto's, the New York's, they're still going to spend the money. And the Flo- Florida, you know, the Barkoff and Huberto are still great players. You know, I think Huberto may be the most underrated player in the NHL, just how good he is night in and night out and how consistent he is. He's just not talked about because he's not playing in a big market, but they don't have as much depth as they do last year. They may not have made the playoffs last year with the depth they did. They did have, they're in a weak, weaker division in the Atlantic, obviously, because the Atlantic, I think it's the toughest division in hockey, but he, you know, they have some good teams in front of them, but I think they're right there. They can get some good, if Bobrovsky can revert back into his old self and usually he'll have a good year and then a terrible year. So he's, he's on track to have a bounce back year. Maybe they squeak into the, to the fourth spot. And who I see them being neck and neck with is the Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars, um, obviously, they're the runner-up. They lost to this Tampa Bay Lightning last year in the Stanley Cup final. Six games, a hard-fought series for them. Um, and not a lot changed with the roster. Um, they still have – they uh, re-signed Anton Hudobin, who's a free agent, but he may be – a question mark to start the year. He's having some problems with his visa coming over from Russia. So I, as far as I know right now, he's still in Russia. So opening night, he may not be available. Also yesterday it was announced that Dallas had six players to staff test positive for COVID. So they're going to be de- delayed a week starting their season. So uh, the season starts the 13th, which is Wednesday. And, but their season will only start at the earliest in the 19th, the following Tuesday. So they're 18th or 19th, something like that. So it's, it's tough for them. Um, they also have Ben Bishop. You know, Bishop's on injured reserve. He's likely going to miss the whole year. But the reason I still prop them a bit up above Florida is because I think they'll be able to defend better than Florida. Even say Hudobin and you know, Jake Ottinger is really their top prospect in goal. He played a lot in Texas last year. I think he'll be the backup this year and maybe you know, as the season goes on, get more and more opportunities just because he's, Hudobin's 34. He's not going to be playing that often. You know, it's definitely going to be a tandem, a tandem net for Dallas. But, you know, they may have the best top four defensemen in hockey. It's right there. Um, you know, Miro Heiskanen, I can't say enough about him. You know, I get it. Dallas isn't on national TV a lot. But if, you, if you're uh, a family that buys center ice, tune in to, do, to a Dallas game just to watch Heisken in. He's so good. Like, he, he's only 21, but I wouldn't be shocked if he won the Norris Trophy this year. I mean, if, they, if you make the playoffs, you can win a major award. Because Roman Yossi made it last year, and Nashville just squeaked in. If you make the playoffs, you can win major awards. Taylor Hall won a heart by just getting New Jersey just over that 
you know, the picket line. Um, Heiskanen, he, he does everything well. I mean, he's one of the best skaters in the NHL. He's got a great shot. He's power play. You know, he's just a, he's the future of the NHL when it comes to defensemen. And he's so much fun to watch. And he's, he, he, there's not a lot bad to say about him. He's just a, a really, a really good prospect. Um, they also got John Klingberg, who really, who I think they thought at first was going to be the Heiskanen, but he's kind of, he's kind of taken over that second defenseman role. He still contributes offensively, still a very, very good player. Um, and they're followed by Essa Lindell, who's kind of that defensive defenseman. He's got bite to his game. He's got edge, hard to play against. And Jamie Oleksiak, who's in his second tour of duty with Dallas, straight to Pittsburgh, kind of learned how to play the right way and was uh, Dallas reacquired him. But last year in the playoffs, he played fantastic, really invaluable to them. He's six foot seven, big kid. Um, and he's, he's just a really, he's a good player. Um, he's not flashy, but these four defensemen, they're, they're in a team where you don't hear a lot about them, but it's hard to rival that top four. I mean, with, with Klingberg in, in Heiskanen, Maybe, maybe a team I'll mention at the top, maybe, but I even see Lindell as, as a third defenseman. And he is, that's so valuable to have him. And then Alexiak to play, you know, fourth. He, they got a lot going for them when it comes to their defensive core. Um, so they, I mentioned their team didn't really change a lot. They still have Sagan, Ben, you know, little Joe Pavelski, of course. They lost Corey Perry, who went to Montreal, but. Um, for them, I see them propping up a bit over Florida because they have, um, better depth than Florida. Uh, you know, Dennis Gurionov, Rupe Hints, these players, I like a little bit better than Florida. Florida had Eric Hollow last year in the playoffs. He's walked. He's not there anymore. Vincent Trocek has gone from Florida, who was a great player for them for years. They just don't have, I don't think the bottom roster, they have consistent enough scoring. You know, Gurionov's a, a really good player. Uh, Rupe Hints, they contribute. They contributed to the playoffs. Even Andrew Cogliano is a fourth-line center. He's a great fourth-line center for that team. Um, and it, if their goaltending can can hold up, if Hudobin can get over to the United States, I think they should be good enough to to make it to the four seed, be the, 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 the last team to make the playoffs here. Um, but... You know, they could have a, they could be tired too. You know, they're coming off one of the shorter layoffs, obviously making it to the cup final, going through that grind. So we'll see how they all respond to it. But I think Sagan, Ben, Pavelski, they still have that, that desire to win. And I don't know, for them, they have, they're, they're a weird team because they have Klingberg, Heiskanen, who are younger players, Lindell's, who's younger. But you got Sagan, Ben, Pavelski's 38. You know, they're, they're getting older at the top of their roster. So they're still in a win now mode, um, you know, acquiring a, a top end goaltender may in, in another score could really put them into a, a title position again. But as we saw last year, I don't think anybody had um, Dallas going to the final, including me. So I'm not going to write off this team. They've already showed people what they're made of. And um, I expect them to bring it again this year. Um, 
So that brings us to the top three in the division. Um, these ones, the top team wasn't tough. I found two and three were tough to, to break up. I, I like both teams for different reasons. But in the third spot in the division, I put the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, they made the playoffs back-to-back years under Tortorella. Um, they, they definitely don't have a, lot, a ton of skill on their team, but they work extremely hard. You know, their depth players, I think, can take another step. Players like Alexander Texier, uh, Emil Bemstrom. These players have skill galore. Um, and you know, Eric Robinson, who may be the quickest player. Him, I like seeing McDavid, you know, do a race, like skate and see who's faster. Because when he gets those, he got a ton of breakaways last year against Toronto in the playoffs, and he's quick. He just needs to learn how to finish. But they have decent depth that that's young that they can hopefully work with and improve and, and get some more goal scoring. And then I look at their defense core. Um, you know, they got, again, a top four. That's great. I'm going to start four to one. Uh, Gavrikov, he's not flashy, but he's a defensive defenseman, which I get not a lot of people like these days for whatever reason, scouts and coaches at certain locations. Um, but, you know, they, they don't allow the other team to score, which I know, isn't that hard to believe? That's valuable. I don't, don't know how that, that slipped the mind of some smart coaching out there, but, um, you know, he's just a guy, he blocked he, a game against that game against Tampa where it went five overtimes. He blocked like 24 shots. Like it was incredible. He's, he's great. Um, David Savard, obviously the former Moncton Wildcat. He's morphed his game. He's a great NHL defenseman. And he's, it's no doubt that he's an NHLer anymore. And I think he's gotten more and more notoriety as the years have gone on just for, he's, he'll chip in offensively right now and then, but again, he's, him and Gavrikov played a shutdown pair for Columbus and they do it effectively. Um, they played really well. You know, playing against Tampa Bay is not an easy thing to do in the playoffs and every game was close. They lost in five, but the, with the talent that Tampa has, you know, one game went to five overtimes. I mean, you get a goal here or there, who the hell knows how that turns out. But they still have the makings of, of their playoff teams. So I like I like that. Um, and then the top two defensemen, Zach Rowenski, another stud, another, you know, I think he's close to being a cornerstone defenseman. Um, and maybe he would be more obvious just, but he's behind um Seth Jones um Seth Jones I remember watching him because that year I really paid close attention because you know Sora was playing for the Mooseheads and then he was dealt um and McKinnon and Joanne they were doing their thing and Seth Jones was playing for the Portland Winterhawks so they won the the, the W and they were going to go to the Memorial Cup and Jones really struggled he looked kind of out of shape to me he's kind of a bigger dude then I don't think he really knew how to handle it. And he had a tough Memorial Cup. Portland didn't play well. He, he kind of struggled. And I think it really hurt, hurt his uh, drop position because he dropped a fourth. Obviously, Barkov went third. Uh, sorry, Barkov went second. Then Drouin, then um, Jones. You know, it, was, it was a weird, a weird situation there. But he, I couldn't have been more wrong on him. He's the second best defenseman in the NHL to me. And it's, He's close to Hedman. He's very close to Hedman. He's that good in my eyes. 
I don't know if he'll ever win. I still, I'm going to say he's going to win at least one Norris because if he doesn't, that's a travesty. But he doesn't have to score that many points. He's so valuable to Columbus. You know, he, the amount of minutes he plays and just effortless minutes where you chew clock and he, he gets pucks out and he's such a smart and he's physical. He's a physical player. He, for his body type and the way he moves on the ice, it's really impeccable. Um, what he's morphed into in the NHL is, is phenomenal. And he's, like I said, he's right on Hedman's ass when it comes to who's the best defenseman and to me, because Seth, he's, he just, he eats players alive. Like if you watched, I think it was, it was the game three game for Toronto against Columbus. If you watch the second period to the, to the end of the game when Columbus beat them in overtime, he didn't let Matthews breathe. He followed him the whole game and he did the same thing in game five. And guess what? They didn't score. He just, if he gets a, if the coach tells him, okay, you're not going to get a point tonight, but you're going to finish zero. You're going to play 28 minutes, but the other team's going to, you know, Matthew's going to score zero goals. He'll do it. He's the perfect guy. And he's so big that he's got that reach too. I mean, I, I could talk about him for hours. I mean, I love Seth Jones, but um, they made some moves. They traded Josh Anderson, who I, who I love. I think he's a unicorn. Like I mentioned in the last podcast, He's like a Tom Wilson, but faster and with better hands. Um, they acquired Max Domi, but um, I think they'll try to play him at center. They do have a little bit of an issue right now. Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's really um, established himself as a top-notch NHL player, obviously a third overall pick, kind of a shocking one at the time because he went ahead of uh, Jesse Pugliarvi in Edmonton. But he's really emerged as a fantastic two-way center. Um, playing in Columbus, I don't think he's, you know, you're playing under for torts. You're not gonna be able to show everything you have, but he's had to play a good defensive game, but he reminds me of Taves and that he seems pretty selfless. He'll chip in offensively when he can, but it's better for the team, but him and torts in the playoffs last year, they got into a really heated altercation on the bench. Um, and it was public because Dubois fired back at torts and, I think it clearly strained the relationship because he's asked uh, Yermo Kekalainen for a trade. Um, he did sign a, a two-year or a two-year ten million dollar deal, kind of as a bridge contract. But it doesn't sound good. However, I do not think he'll be traded this year because if I'm Columbus, I have you under contract. You're gonna play. Let's see if we can repair this. And I don't want to get rid of him. You know, me and Ben talked on the football podcast about how. Um, would you trade line A for Dubois straight up? If I'm Winnipeg, I do it in a second. If I'm Columbus, no way. No way. I like Dubois a hell of a lot more. And, um, you know, Columbus just has some, came back and sent it a, a down year, you know, a lot of injuries. I think he'll rebound. He's scored 40 goals in this league. He's a 30, perennial 30 goal scorer. Um, I mentioned Dubois, you know, they, Boone Jenner's a, a a contributor for them. They're not a flashy roster, but with this division not being that strong, I think they have enough. And obviously their goaltending is fantastic. They're Merzlikens, Elvis Merzlikens, Jonas Corposalo, who both played in the playoffs last year for them. 
I think Corpusala or Miss Lickens is a starting goalie in this league, and they're lucky enough to have two starting goalies on one roster. So um, Columbus, I could see them being a, a team at the deadline to make moves and add some scoring because you have those two goalies on the cheap right now, make it worth it. You know, try to try to push it, push it all in and make a make a make a move here while you still have Dubois while Jones is in his prime because you don't want to let that go to waste. Um, just above Columbus, I got Carolina. Um, Carolina has been a, another team that's made the playoffs for a long time now. Since Ron, Rob Brendamore's taken over, they found their success again. They made, two years ago, they made the conference finals, losing to Boston, and they lost in the first round last year to go figure Boston again. But they still, they still have you know those parts that really make me like the team. Um, Let's start with their scoring. You know, Sebastian Ajo, he's more I, – I don't think he's a superstar. I think he's a star. I think the, the term superstar is thrown around way too often in the NHL. But he – you know, he's this good goal scorer, great uh, – got great eyes, fine people uh, on the ice. Um, Shvechnikov. I actually think Shvechnikov over Ajo could become the, the superstar here. I think he can be a 30 to 40 goal scorer in the NHL. I think – you look at his hands and just how he's morphed. He's getting a lot stronger. He can muscle people off the puck. He plays with a bite. He fought Ovechkin um, two years ago in the playoffs, if you remember, and Ovechkin knocked him out, like knocked him out. And I think he was kind of a punk kid playing then. He was trying to, you know, tell his Russian idol that, you know, he was Swiss cheese and then Ovechkin just, you know, put him to sleep. Literally he's played with a different bite. I think that situation helped him honestly. And he's, he looks like a different player, new demeanor, more confidence. And, um, you know, Svechikov, a good player. Another guy I love, I, I love the way he plays, is Martin Nekash. He's a young Czech Republic, young player from the Czech Republic. Um, over 20 goals last year. I only see his ceiling going up. I think he can be a 30-goal scorer in the NHL. The way he goes to the net, he's got a good shot. Um, they use him on the power play. So he's going to have the opportunity. But those are three three main guys that, that do a lot for this team um, up front. They also, you know, their D4, their D core is again really solid. Jacob Slavin, I think he's, he's another guy. Mention Huberto as maybe the most underrated player in the NHL. Slavin's right there. I I think if you I I'll do this podcast eventually um, about the next Canadian Olympic team which would be a year from now. I think Slavin's on it. Uh, for me, is anyway. Um, just the way he'd be on Team Canada, and he, it wouldn't be that tough for me to put him on there. Um, Dougie Hamilton, he's playing the best hockey, best hockey of his career in Carolina. Just looks like a more confident player, seems happier. You know, he's been known to be kind of a weird guy, but, um, you know, he seems to have found, to found a good landing spot for him. And um, he's, he's playing great hockey. Um, Brett Pesci, another guy who's injured in the playoffs last year. He could have made a difference against Boston for sure, coming back from, from surgery. But he's played solid hockey to begin his career. And, he, yeah, he hasn't had a lot of warts, warts on him yet. So he's coming in green, playing well. Um, and then, you know, just, just a top five, really, Brady Shea, who they acquired at the deadline last year from the Rangers – 
he'll be there. And then um, Jake Gardner, I know all you Leafs fans love Jake. So it's good to see him have some prosperity here. But, you know, they lost Justin Williams. They lost Derek Halla. Uh, Joel Edmondson left for Montreal. But they still have the same, the same team, so to speak, when it comes to their glue of it and how, you know, they've had the success with it. So I, I like where they're going. And they still have Mrazek and Reimer and Net. I don't think it's great, but it's not bad. Uh, Mrazek's kind of emerged as a number one goaltender in the past couple of years. Um, I think if they can get another high in score, they're right there. They're close. Um, I don't, if I'm thinking around the league to teams, I don't know. Chicago, that's an interesting one when it comes to like a Patrick Kane or something like that going to Carolina. They may have to make, they may have to lose one of their defensemen. Because if I was Chicago, I, I would want a defenseman back. But we'll see. I think they can look around the league, try to find a team that's maybe struggles out of the gate and they got a contract they want to get rid of and they can capitalize on that and bolster their roster offensively. Um, that brings us to the top of this division. And it's no surprise who's number one here. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, obviously the defending Stanley Cup champions. Um, they're still, they're still the Tampa Bay Lightning that were so dominant. You know, they got swept by Columbus two years ago and everybody had them winning the cup that year. And that obviously killed their, their confidence for a bit. And they started off last season really going off the rails. They were, didn't look good. They found themselves by the end of the year, but they were only, they were second in the Atlantic behind um, Boston, but they found it when they needed to, obviously Kucherov, Braden Point, um, fantastic hockey player. I knew he was great before, but he really emerged as a as a number one center in my eyes last year for them. Um, they had Nikita Kucherov, but he's on IR to begin this year. Yes, he he's having shoulder surgery. He'll miss the entire regular season, but he'll be back for the playoffs. So there's that. Um, but before, it looked like they were going to have to unload some, some players, right? Because they had these injuries. But Kucherov going on, on injured reserve, it allowed them to, to be creative. So putting him on, on injured reserve for long-term injury reserve for the whole year, that opens up their salaries that they can use it um, for other players. Well, they had three restricted free agents, um, Anthony Sorelli, Mikhail Sergachev, and Eric Chernak. And before it looked like the odds of them keeping them all were very, very low, Um and obviously Ryan Callahan retiring. So he goes on long-term injured reserve. So just to clarify, if you put a player on long-term injured reserve and he's making five and a half million, that five and a half million does not count on your team's salary cap. So it goes back into your pot. So you get five, extra five and a half million to play with. So that's what, um, that's what they did. Um, they made a trade with Ottawa. They traded um, for Marion Gabrick. Marion Gabrick is um, on long-term injured reserve. They traded Cedric Paquette. So you put more money in long-term injured reserve. It gives you, like I said, it gives you more and more money. So they're able to keep of Sorelli, Chernak, and Sergachev. Um, I think Chernak is just, he's a really good, solid three or four defenseman. Sergachev and Sorelli are, are key ads. Um, Sergachev, I think, can be a number one defenseman in this league. Montreal traded 
him to Tampa Bay for uh, Drouin straight up, which looks like a nightmare of a deal right now for Montreal because he's playing such good hockey. Um, there was times in the playoffs where he was better than Hedman, especially in the finals. Um, Sorelli, um, I think he's a third line defense, maybe a second line defense of center, sorry, but he's invaluable because he kills penalties. He's hard on pucks. He's a winner. You know, that's the nicest compliment I can give him. He's a winner. And, um, they didn't want to lose him and through their cap and through, you know, the work of Julian Brisewell, they were able to keep all, all those, um, RFAs. They also didn't have to trade Alex Kalorn. Like it looks like they're going to have to, they're able to keep Tyler Johnson. So they have basically the same roster intact. They lost uh, Zach Bogosian, but they kept Luke Shen. You know, they kept Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow, their deadline ads. Um, you know, and they still have a pretty damn good, you know, Stamkos is going to be back healthy. Um, and they still have a pretty damn good decor. You know, I mentioned Chernak, Sergachev, Ryan McDonough, you know, former captain in the, of the uh, of the New York Rangers, and then the best defenseman in the NHL in Victor Hedman. Um, not much has changed. They're still dominant. And they still have a top three goaltender in the NHL in Andre Vasilevsky. So even with Kucherov out, this any this regular season shouldn't be that difficult for them to get first place. And then Kucherov can return. And in the playoffs, as soon as playoffs start, any player who have a long-term IR can come off, and it does not count against going over the salary cap. So day one of the playoffs, he can be activated. And then guess what? His money and everybody else's money. And that, that, that's the same for everybody. Uh, so for anybody wondering, well, why can't they use this loophole? You know, bigger teams have done it before. Uh, Chicago did it in the 2015 playoffs. Um, they had Seabrook on there before, and then they acquired um, Hanzus and Hosa so that they could put them on there. And so, you know, teams do it a lot. So it's not just Tampa Bay. Um, so just keep that in mind. But yeah, they they still have the best roster to me. Um, just top to bottom, they're so deep and. I haven't seen anything, any departures or any worries for me to think, well, why can't this team, you know, possibly repeat and at least finish first in this division? You know, I'm not talking playoffs yet. Obviously I'll get there as the season progresses, but when it comes to this division, I don't, you know, Carolina and Columbus are good teams, but they're no real threat to Tampa Bay. I see Tampa Bay kind of steamrolling through finishing 10 points up on the next closest team. So Carolina, but yeah, they're, they're still the Tampa Bay Lightning and they should be feared by many. Um, but yeah, I kind of, that kind of does it for, the, for today. So just to go through it one more time, Central Division, we got Detroit finishing eighth, the bottom, Chicago seventh, Nashville sixth, Florida fifth, Dallas fourth, Columbus three, um, Carolina two, and then obviously the Tampa Bay Lightning finishing first in the Central um, it should be fun. Like I said, this, this is another, it's a weird alignment because you got West and East kind of intermingling. Um, a lot of the bottom feeder teams here in this division likely aren't going to make a lot of stir, but, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, just different players get an opportunity. I, I mentioned Adam Boquist in Chicago. Um, I like to see how goalie Bob reacts in, in Florida to his terrible year. 
So a lot of good uh, storylines in this division. Um, upcoming, I'll have another, uh, there's two more left. So we got the West and then the um, kind of the uh, Atlantic-ish division with the likes of Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, you know, the 905, I should call it, you know, division, um, I-95 division. But um, yeah, so those are be coming up before Wednesday. Um, I'll be recapping Monday. I'll be talking about the uh, Super Wildcard Weekend, which tips off at uh, two o'clock today. But I hope you guys are enjoying these um, these pieces on the divisions, just to kind of give you some clarity and some ideas going into the season. But um, have a great weekend. I'll be back here soon, and uh, take care.